We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a packed OBR Film Breakdown podcast for you where we're going to cover everything from training camp day three, including press conferences, notes from Kevin Stefanski, JOK, Jimmy and D Haslam spoke everything covered here. Plus we start our positional preview kickoff. It's going to be a great episode. Andrew Spade joins us. Let's get to that episode right now. What's up, guys? Welcome into the show. It's Tuesday, July 25th. Andrew Spade is here joining me. Like I said, Andrew, what's up? What's happening? Uh, Jake, it's so good to be with you. It's my first show since uh, on, on your show since um, the training camp started. I'm just really thrilled to have actual Browns news to discuss. That's what I would say is happening is the Browns are happening. The Browns are happening. We have new things. We've gone through, as Andrew's been a consistent, I would say it is a co-host of the show for a while now, that, that we have just been conjuring things up to talk about going around the NFL, looking at rosters, giving some predictions around those rosters, the divisions, all the above. We're going to really hone in on what's actually happening at the green buyer. Our, our own Fred Greetham is there covering it, breaking it down, giving you content live on site. You know, obviously here at the OBR, we've introduced the live wire. We are going through every piece of information, you know, that is presented throughout the day. It is for you to find on the website. You can scroll through and read Every single thing that we think is newsworthy throughout training camps processes, videos, press conferences, everything. You can find it there. So on these days, what we are doing, obviously, is collecting information. We're going to bring it to you guys for these shows. We're going to break it down and give you what we think matters from every single day of practice. So if you're not in the flow of things and you're wanting to kind of follow from afar, whether you're you know, social media follower or you're somebody who just kind of wants to know what's going on and when it's going on, it seems like, for the most part, Kevin Stefanski will talk at 10.15 a.m. Eastern time, then they're going to practice 10.45, and then you're going to get some players afterward. That's the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. You're not going to get a ton of practice film stuff here, so it's not like you're going to get riddled with a bunch of team videos to break down and go through. We'll get some snippets here and there, but they're very much in what I call a ramp-up phase, right? So they're in a ramp-up phase, a lot of half-speed, quarter-speed, Get where you're supposed to be pre-snap. Call out the stuff you're supposed to call out. 
get to the things you want to do post snap, be where you're supposed to be, know your assignment, very specific, but that does not render many pieces of analysis, right? So a lot of people who are there are trying to say this, that, and the other. And it's like, Hey man, they're going through very specific uh, thing. We used to call these sessions, Andrew Dorf, which is a really silly name, but it's defense offense recognizing formation. So what we would do get up to the line, call the play, go through at half speed, defense gets out, recognizes formation, pass strength, run strength, going through their things. We're going through the play. We wouldn't even throw it. Now, some teams would throw it and just kind of half speed throw. Defense doesn't break it up. There's a video I think ESPN Cleveland had out there today where uh, Martin Emerson just sort of lets a ball go by him because the offense is just trying to do their thing. Defense is trying to do their things, and it, it mutually benefits each other to see and expose themselves to Defensive looks and offensive looks. That's what they're doing. Getting the brain right, the mental checklist, all of it. So that's what's going on. It's been pretty boring from an on-field perspective, but you do get some little snippets of who's playing where, what team are they playing with, first, second, third, whatever. They're going to start picking it up soon. They're going to put pads on. They do have a game coming up, but I wanted to fairly warn you that until that like October 6th or 7th after the Hall of Fame game, I'm going to try to go up. It's like a Sunday, Monday that they're open, Andrew. So I'm going to try to go up to that and sit in the bleachers and actually pull away some tangible insights that matter. I'm not going to post video. Obviously that would get me, um, you know, and, and, and some deep trouble with the Browns. They don't want that stuff from fans uh, or anybody covering the team. So, you know, I think some people every now and again, get away with it. I've seen some like, like lower Twitter follow accounts, like we'll go to camp and video, get away with it. But there's just no point in that man, because they don't want that stuff. That doesn't benefit anybody. So uh, largely it'll just be, here's what I saw. Here's who stood out. We can get some actual instances. I think that's the second and third practice. They're back in Berea. So they come back like the, like, I think they have one run through in Berea that's open to the public before the Hall of Fame game. And then they go to the Hall of Fame game and play. And that'll be a glorified scrimmage with a bunch of the second, third, fourth guys. But like, uh, it's going to kind of roll downhill pretty quick. It seems like we've, we've got, you know, there were some interesting interviews today, but I want to go through it. But I know, Andrew, you always consume it and tell everybody what you're doing with the, the thought box and stuff like that uh, to, to provide like what your angle is for that. Well, first of all, Jake, I'm struggling to name things. Uh, that's number one for me. Uh, no idea ever what to call anything. So the first phrase that jumped into my head was thought box. And I don't know what it means. I don't know where it came from. That's what I'm calling it. But my, my thought basically was to just write down what I saw, what has run through my head when I'm looking through you know, Twitter clips from the day or, uh, you know, reading through the transcripts, watching them on YouTube, the press conferences afterwards. But just basically, instead of reporting what happened, taking it one step beyond or back, I guess, not beyond, further back. And it's like one, you know, questionably informed fans uh, impression of what's happening day to day in training camp. So just trying to pick out some sort of themes that are, you know, uh, relevant and, and, and trying to find those, not necessarily like nuggets of, of juicy information, but more like, uh, yeah, like I think themes is the best word. Like what, what are some of the overarching ideas? I, I mean, I, I wrote one that'll be up, you know, now on, on, uh, on Monday's practice. And, and as you said, because everything's quarter speed, half speed, you can't take anything away from what they're doing on the field. Uh, so you're really only talking about the stuff in the press conferences. And so, you know, Jeremiah Usu-Kormoa had some very interesting comments, I thought, uh, today. And so, you know, uh, sort of the biggest block of, of the, the piece that I wrote is about 
you know, some of the things he said about his weight, about his uh, decision not to have surgery on his foot. And, uh, I, you know, I also thought he had some interesting things to say about Schwartz's scheme and linebackers that he uh, saw himself sort of having something in common with. So that's sort of the idea is just to like distill down training camp from all of this. Like it's, it kind of comes at you, like you said, as a sort of avalanche, right. Of just un, you know, no, no context, video clips and quotes and sound bites. And it's like, what, what does this mean? And so I'm trying to distill a little bit of meaning from it. Yeah. And we're kind of trying to do something similar when we, when we talk through this with like, yeah. what actual pieces of things would you care about? So mm-hmm. Kevin talked at 1030, he updated us on two players that left uh, Amari Cooper, no real update, just a tweak, some minor injury. Um, doesn't sound like anybody is remotely concerned. Then Dewan Jones, we figured out is just a sickness. Maybe he's got flu or something. They're, they're, we're working it out, trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, Kevin noted JOK is looking uh, for him to be able to stay on the field, which is, I think, Andrew, it's a sentiment that they've been echoing all offseason between Tarver yeah. up to Schwartz and now uh, hearing him say that uh, yep. is the same. And then uh, David Njoku, uh, he mentioned referencing Njoku, taking great strides in run and pass blocking. We know he's a pass receiver, what he can do. He's had growth at every area of offensive football. It is kind of crazy to think about how long David's been here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, a lot of talk today about growth maturity for him. Uh, it stands out to me uh, important. It's, it's what you want to hear. They've invested in him. Uh, yes. It's pretty cool to see him going from a place where you, you didn't really know where he was going at one time when that trade request happened uh, years ago yeah. and all of that. So He was the third um, tight end at one point. Indeed. Uh, running back situation, they updated uh, us real quick. I should backtrack a, a, a brief second. Taki Taki and Walker both progressing nicely. Seems like they're both going to find their way on the field at some point. It's different progressions for those guys, but uh, the optimism is still kind of there. And I also noticed that like on the side, Marquise Goodwin is still working. I know you had mentioned some optimism the other day about like him being there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's doing some things on the side. It's not like he's shut it down. I, I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see when we get an update, the severity of that, but it doesn't seem crazy. It doesn't seem like, I guess they're saying there's a chance, right? The old phrase, like That's there's right. a chance he could yeah. still do something this year. Yeah, um, you're telling me there's a chance. Running back situation, Kevin updated. He understands how running backs feel in this regard with the money situation. All we can do is continue to support Nick, which they have done. They have paid Nick handsomely. And yeah. I thought an interesting Andrew Barry quote, which I posted after reading our stuff because I didn't watch it live, was this quote on Jerome Ford, which yes. stood out to me for your for your general manager to point out, um, and it could be a slip of the tongue, whatever, because they, they the coach have never said this publicly, but like the big strides Jerome Ford has made, the pass catch or uh, pass yep. protection, which pass mm-hmm. protection is a tough thing for young running backs. It takes a lot of understanding blitz concepts, blitz schemes, this, the, what they're trying to do, and how your protection sort of funnels to certain players and then um, you know, to get the coaches trust to be out there in those scenarios. It tells me I heard enough when I read that in Barry quote, I'm like, this is the second running back unless he's just terrible in the preseason. This is just what it is. So maybe they'll flirt with a third guy, but um, yeah. that's what it is. You know, would you yeah. agree with that? I mean, I, I don't know how you can take anything away other than that. From that quote. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think not only do I agree with that, but I think, you know, I mean, like you said, unless we see something that, that dissuades me, I, I think we should be excited about Jerome Ford's role in this offense, honestly. And I think I think they're talking about him, you know, it, it's the similar trajectory to some other later round running or, uh, draft picks that have you know, c- contributed to this team, right? I mean, you think back to Donovan Peoples-Jones in 2020, right? Like, he, he didn't have a huge role in 2020, but they made it clear, like, what he was capable of doing. And then on into his, his sophomore season, 
And so I think, you know, I think he showed enough for did last year with the kick returning duties mm-hmm. uh, that, that you sh- he showed burst, he showed wiggle, um, you know, other, other catchphrases that I'm, I'm sure are, are <laughs> equally compelling. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see, I mean, I think, you know, to your point about pass protection, you can't really play as a third down back unless you understand pass protection, right? So yep. if somebody, if Nick's going to come off the field in pass catching situations, which is, I would expect what they would want. It's great to know that this young player can can expect a role in those situations. I think he's I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm excited about. It. Continuing to talk about linebackers real quick, he said JOK reference to him. All players play the position differently. He can be aggressive at times. It's a matter of managing when to take chances. They want him to be aggressive. I just feel like he's very microscope right now. JOK mm-hmm. like on they're very mm-hmm. much on top of expectations for him and thoughts on his play. So I just that's something yeah. I've noticed. Um, Taki Taki, they said, uh, and a bit more specifically, I know I just referenced it, but he said he's recovering from the ACL. It's speeding up. He's worked so hard. He's lived in the facility. Can't say exactly when he'll be at full go. He's doing everything to set himself up to be ready week one. So interesting nugget there. It yeah. doesn't mean he will be, but interesting nugget. And then last one, I uh, want a couple more I want to pull. Cade York is getting every single rep two years in a row, which is unique for a kicker. Very important for a young player. He's competing against himself every day. He's got to be better. So Cade York, every rep. Um, we'll see if there's a difference in his consistency of just like execution this year. Right. So uh, right. something to pay attention to. And then Elijah Moore, he talked about the expanded versatility he brings to a playbook inside out, always looking for players who can do more. And he's a great fit in that regard. So guys on the bikes today, talk about Amari Cooper. You did not see Dewan Jones outside, still sick. Marquise Goodwin, uh, on the bike, he's moving, he's doing things. Colby Gossett, Anthony Walker, Jakeem Grant, Sione Takitaki, Anthony Schwartz. So that's your walking wounded update. Um, the first 11 on 11 from Fred Greetham, let us know. It is Jordan Elliott and Dalvin Tomlinson, as we presumed. Uh, Martin Emerson, Denzel Ward outside, and Greg Newsom in the slot. And I just want to reiterate again that they did not tell us that Greg Newsom would not be playing nickel. He still will be. It's the, it's the difference in role, what they're asking that player to do, how they're asking them to be a part of the run game picture. And he'll be outside some too, and, and we'll probably see Denzel in there as well. So uh, various practice clips that you can find here at the OBR site if you want to kind of go through them. I, I think an important one, Andrew, was um, very focused. Miles Garrett helping coach up some of the younger guys, Alex Wright and Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. And maybe it was just, hey, Dan Labby, can you uh, grab a video of this? Because I'm trying to be a leader in front of people. But he's always done that. He's always done that. I, I, I think he – I've seen him do that for years. So that's yeah. not uh, anything surprising to me. But a good photo of him, right? Well, he was, yeah, but he was looking at his phone the whole time he was working on hand placement there. So I don't know whether that counts. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yes, I, I think, and you know, you were, you were absolutely the first to point that out when this whole thing with Malik Jackson happened, what was that, a week ago, two weeks ago? Um, yeah, but and I, you made a great rejoinder, which was as long as you've been going to camp and watching Miles Garrett practice, he's been a, a dedicated practice worker. And has also been very involved with other players on the team, talking technique, you know, uh, exchanging tips, all that sort of stuff. He is not disengaged on the field whatsoever. And so, you know, is it different in the classroom? We'll never know, right? We're not going to be in that room. But it certainly, in my mind, goes a lot longer, you know, goes a lot further for him to be that engaged on on the field. Agreed. It's a good thing. He continues to do that stuff that he's done there. And Hopefully that parlays into some added attention in the meeting room. You noted uh, Adam Kaplan's um, you know, defensive front under Jim Schwartz. There's nothing groundbreaking in the report, but he does specifically say the corners will be asked to play more in run support, which mm-hmm. will likely have Browns fans a little green around the gills. I like that. 
Um, you know, he points out many pass rushes yeah. have been successful in the scene. Rushers have been successful in the scheme. Reinf- you know, reinforced. Yeah. Darius and, and Miles. Just kind of plug the live wire again here. Like it's nice to be able to, you can share a link to something that somebody else wrote and then you can kind of editorialize on it a little bit. Like when I saw Adam Kaplan say that the cornerbacks are going to have to be more involved in run support, it was like, oh, well, that's the exact opposite of what Greg Newsom was saying he was excited about. So interested to see how that plays out for the cornerbacks and their expectations for what this season's going to look like. Because I don't think Schwartz is going to be as tolerant about uh, some lackadaisical tackling effort as Joe Woods was. Very, very true. Especially some some really brutal moments where just some give up happened. Not yep. just him. It's not isolated. But no, I'm not. I there, mean across the secondary. Across sure. the secondary. I still think that that like matching up what Kaplan is saying with what Schwartz has said, and like I do think that there's a difference between asking. I think that what he had to do was fit the C gap and be right. fit the run from a you have a gap assignment Mm -hmm. and he's going to be more of a force player that nickel is going to be more of a force defender so i just think that there is a still like no one's really like there's not uh they're not selling greg on a lie this is just my hunch no i agree that there's a difference between and greg has specifically mentioned that that difference and doesn't change that they're going to expect the thing if they're going to spill runs Mm -hmm. which is you're either spilling it turning it outside or funneling they're going to spill more then yeah your corners have to step up when they when the ball funnels their way and sorry, spills their direction and make a tackle. And, and, right. and that's that's true. I actually I had posted something today. I retweeted something from Honest NFL, which is such a good Twitter account. I don't know who yeah. the guy is. He he mm-hmm. is like maybe a burnout coach who just wanted to get on Twitter, but he knows a lot, a lot, a lot about the NFL. And he had posted a video of the Jim Schwartz style of front play, which is a run play where they end up getting a tackle for loss. And he said, I'll always be partial to this style of defensive play where you set the terms. Every single DC wants their guys to play fast, uh, play fast, smart, and aggressive. But Schwartz literally bases everything on that and means it. So basically he's like, there, there's, it's a maze, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. they're asking guys, not like a lot of OCs like to run schemes where they have a, a runner running to a gap, but not like what their Browns are trying to do is be upfield and into the face of the run scheme so quickly that it forces you to redirect and then redirect again because there are different levels to go to. So when they talk about that, linebackers talk about they're the cleanup players, right? They're, they're cleanup guys. I can't remember what was Tarver's specific way of, of saying it. Fix, I cannot fix it or make them right. Fix right? it. Yes. Fix yeah. it. So like after, right. They, 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 after they take care of that maze initially, you're expected to, to fix it. Right. Right. So right. solve that player being on yeah. your level at that point. So right. if we slow that guy down by creating backfield, uh, upfield, and, and truly uh, offensive side of the football, backfield disruption, mm-hmm. then you have a chance to then get off your block, find the football, and take care of it, fix it. Right. So right. Uh, if that's on my Twitter feed, you can go find that. Anyway, just wanted to Well, and that goes that. back to what I mentioned about uh, Jeremiah Ousukromo's quote about the, the linebacker from Philly that he saw his role being most like was Nigel Bradham, which is like a name that I haven't heard in a few years. Very right? esoteric name. I know. I know. But it really paints a picture because I remember the type of player that he was for Philly. And he was he was very downhill and, and, and at times played more like a safety than a linebacker in terms of not taking on blocks and, and, and shooting gaps and, and being – you know, really aggressive. And it really, 
I, to me, that paints such a clear mental picture of, of JOK's role. So like that, you know, I, I'm still skeptical about that whole thing just because of how rough the first two years have been, especially last year. But that makes it so clear that they have a specific role in mind for him. And I think he could really excel at it. So let's get to more JOK now. So the big quote came of this, this, the surgery on the midfoot sprain. Yeah. So in his post-practice presser, he mentioned that mid, the midfoot sprain, he said he wants it. He, he had the option to have surgery or let it heal organically uh, or naturally, I think was the word he chose. And he chose the natural route. So I don't know enough about sprains and surgery on sprains to know whether I can't, I, I refuse to sit up here and call him stupid. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but I do know that that's something we're just going to be monitoring. You know, yeah. and these a lot of players across every sport make these decisions all the time mm-hmm. about whether to surgery or not. It sounds like he made the decision on his own. He didn't really reference anybody else making that oh, decision sure with did. him. He for sure so, did. So um, we'll see if that works out. Again, we don't have any medical insight to throw at you about whether that's a dumb decision or not. That's a question I could ask somebody I do know. Maybe we could get to the bottom of it a little more in a future episode, but that is uh, that's particularly – uh, something we will keep an eye on throughout the year because he's dealt with so many injuries. Not so many. He's played a lot of games, but he's dealt with nagging injuries, and a foot sprain is a nagging injury that can become something even more serious to the point you consider surgery. So, like, I don't know. You hear it, Andrew. What's your thought to that statement? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I I think what it does is it opens him up to questions, right? Like, mm-hmm. the the the. The, one of the things about the NFL is that there, it's, it's you know, as much as it eventually innovates, it is for the most part a very close-minded league. And so the way that NFL players, you know, or, or NFL teams work is that they have doctors. The doctors recommend a course of action. The players follow the recommended course of action because the doctors know better than the players, right? But Jeremiah Usukormo is the sort of rare player that feels very confident that he understands his body and the choices he wants to make for how he takes care of himself better than a a doctor would. And so that's a bold stance. And if you're right and he has a great year this year and goes out and makes a pro bowl, that's one thing. If you're wrong and he re-injures the foot in week two and is out for most of the year, the team is going to be, and the fans and the media and everybody else are rightfully going to be really second guessing that. And so I, 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 what I would say is it's a personal decision about somebody's health. So I don't feel comfortable ever saying he ought to do X, Y, or Z, but I think it's fair to say that you just have to understand pragmatically what you're opening yourself up to. If you publicly say I could have had surgery, decided not to, because I felt like that letting it heal naturally was the right way to go. And I, again, I do, I have no idea whether he's right or wrong, but I, I just think the NFL is a, we do things one way league and he's one of those players that's going to do things his own way. It's a career. It has a chance, a chance to be a career altering decision for him because for sure. oh, absolutely. he, he is like th- this year three for him is huge. He, mm-hmm. he, he has a great season. He's a potential second contract, a meaningful second contract player because over the first two years, there have been real flashes of this guy can be special. He puts it all together this year and is healthy for 16, 17, 18 games. You're talking like this is the next extension candidate for the Browns. He's it. So like he has a bad year. He plays another year, the last year of his contract in the fourth year. And it's like, 
he could be a $5 million one year player. Like that's where it could go for him. So it's a huge decision. It's a huge decision. Did you have any other things he said that you wanted to hit on? Well, we've, we've, I just want to close the loop on the weight thing because we talked about it when Tarver called it out in the mini camp saying that he needed to come back a little bit uh, heavier. And, and Kevin confirmed in his press conference that he did come back at his target weight. And then JOK kind of talked look about bigger. it. I agree. Yeah. And, 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 and specifically mass, which, J- you know, that's what uh, Jeremiah said was that he's added some mass. And so, uh, you know, I think it's with, and it's the, the line has been the same the whole time from the team and the player. It's about durability. It's not about uh, any one play. It's about the accumulation of blows over the course of the season. And so, you know, hopefully that pays off. And I mean, like you said, if the if the foot injury really is a thing of a past thing of the past, which it should be, considering it's been, you know, seven months since he's been on the football field, and the the added weight pays off for him, this should be the launching pad year for sure, especially in this scheme. Everything is there for him, right? It's yep. a, that's a great point. And uh, the ma- muscle mass stuff, I think and, we noted it from the very beginning when we saw him yes. in photos that he yeah. looked, he looked bigger. So, you know, yeah. that's, it's important for him is and, to, to look the part. Go ahead. Jake, don't you agree that there's almost no player that could kind of transform this defense more than yeah. him if he yeah, was his best version? Yeah, he's special, especially yeah. if they're in that, like he could really thrive in that, that again, that's, that's what sort I mean. Of, that sort yeah. of fix it role. He could be mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, where did he come from? Like that's right. just every, like once a series, just blowing somebody up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's and, all there for him. Yep. And the, you know, uh, the, the way that he gets after the ball on a free run towards a belt ball carrier, which he does very well, you know, punching it out, uh, yeah. ripping it out. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I am really excited, but I do think he, because of the way that he wants to carry himself and you know what respect to him. Like it's hard. It has got to be so hard to sit in a meeting with your coach and general manager and say, I'm not having surgery. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> know the course or the nature of that discussion where it's like, they're saying, Hey, you have to get surgery. And he's saying, I don't want, I, I don't know if it's uglier than just saying, Hey, my body, my choice here. I don't know if that's like yeah the angle, but yeah, it's got a, it's got a, it definitely has a chance to be a weird conversation, but he, he and maybe they didn't suggest it. Maybe they're like, it's a sprain. You can make that choice on your own, but I don't You're know. Right. You're right. I don't yeah, know. You're right. right. I am assuming. Yeah. It, it's, it's just something you don't want to hear other than like, Hey, I chose to not have surgery on something. Your, mm-hmm. your mind just starts to think, well, anytime I've ever been told in my life, I need surgery. Usually I'll get that surgery. So like, it's an interesting right. angle to take. So yeah, uh, we'll put a bow on it that way. The other person who talked was in Joku. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to skip past anything from awful announcing. Uh, and Joku had a chance to to speak for a minute. And I don't know that David said much because uh, um, we actually didn't get that transcript the way we normally do. That's okay. Da- David uh, said probably some fantastic things. We'll just skip past that. Yeah. I will say Jimmy and D talked, which they is sure a big did. deal. They and sure they said did. some things. Um, they love to talk. They love to talk. Here's what they said. And then you can react to it, Andrew. They mm-hmm. said they'd like to see the stadium on the lakefront and would like to see that area develop. But whether that happens is dependent on dollars and cents. Cool. Having haven't ruled out a new stadium altogether. A lot can happen, but is not uh, that's not what they're focusing on. Only firm commitment they can make right now is they won't leave Northeast Ohio. D- interesting, they didn't say Cleveland. They sure didn't. The team will find out what the naming rights uh, market is going to be like soon. Someone had yep. the idea of the uh, Milkbone Stadium uh, as a sponsor. I thought that was mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Haslam once again expressed confidence in Kevin Stefanski's head coach, said that there was never a decision point as to whether to keep him after last season. I do think that he <laughs> he noted specifically that he didn't want to bash the, the people who left, but he does expect the coordinators to make a big difference is what he, he said. He sure did, yep. Um, they feel best about this Browns roster than they ever have. High expectations, but are not going to they're not going to draw the line somewhere. Uh, they will not say it is now or never season. They're proud of Deshaun Watson. He's been working hard to be a better person, man, better teammate. So, the thing I think was interesting because I saw this today. I think you and I have laid out a lot of funky scenarios around this team in this season, but uh, I cannot remember who it was from the NFL Network. But they had the Browns going ten and seven. Okay, which you and I would consider that a pretty solid season his problem Steelers they had predicted at 11 and what is 11 and 6 yep and then they had the Bengals and Ravens 12 and 5 how would you feel about being last place 10 and 7 I Not think great, that, that would be a that'd be a scenario there where would you fire people that matter if you go 10 and 7 no, Interesting. you can't. Can you? Yeah. I don't think that's, you can. That's, uh, we're not here to go down that road, but I feel like that's a no. that's a route I have not heard where you could have a winning season and 10 and 7 is like, you'd think you'd make the play. Maybe they do. I didn't check the other wild card levels. They did not. For if, the, if, the, if the team goes 10 and 7, winning double-digit games and missing the playoffs. No, the, the, I mean, the Dolphins and the they, Jets both made the playoffs in that scenario. Yeah, like the, the, the what did they do? They did that in 2008, right? They 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 won double did they were ten six missed the playoffs am I right about correct. that okay. correct yeah, yeah oh seven yeah oh yeah. seven sorry oh eight wasn't everyone was excited and it all crumbled um, yes anyway we're gonna take a break though we've talked enough about this training anything else from the training camp I should say before I say we're taking a break well the one thing I just wanted to say about the Haslam's is uh, yeah I, I said I'm gonna give you a chance to respond and then didn't give you a chance to respond so, yeah. <laughs> well we had to talk about that uh, weirdos playoff predictions um. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, I just think that the on the drumbeat stuff about the stadium is getting to the point of really making me nauseous because it's very clear what they're doing, and I I think it's deeply cynical, and I think it's gross, you know, because the the <laughs> the person telling you that it all comes down to dollars and cents has more money at his disposal than the city of Cleveland, mm-hmm. like. I mean, it's, I, like, I, I cannot put it any plainer than that, right? And so for him to be like, well, this other organization needs to come up with the money. It's like, Jimmy, man, maybe just hold off on buying the bucks for a few more years and, and you could just build a bridge over whatever railway track you wanted to, you know? Like, it, it's it, the way this works, the playbook has been the same for 60 years. You identify a quote-unquote problem, you talk about the problem not getting solved for long enough, and then the inaction on that problem that you have identified gives you the leverage and the cause to complain and agitate and move the team out of downtown Cleveland or whatever you want to do. It's the same playbook every time. And at a certain point, the media needs to do a better job of pointing this out, right? Mm-hmm. That like these, these, that you can't just keep saying this is wrong. Somebody needs to fix it when you're the best positioned person to fix it. The the card they can play is that now that right that what's their two cards to play the stadium is old right right yeah and it, and it needs something but also you have this deep rooted fear that even though you say you're not leaving Northeast Ohio that you could leave Cleveland like you could you could do something meaningful to rip them away and I I think that you can always prey on the fear of people around the Browns that you could do that right so absolutely um. It'll end up being what it always is. Andrew, the public will pay for a large portion of it, and it'll yeah. suck. 
So and it's shameful. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, take a break on that delightful note, and we will be back to talk about our first position from these preview position preview. Uh, very formal route we're taking here. So be prepared for that, folks. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're going to start the position previews with where you would expect. We're going to start at quarterback, okay? So with uh, the quarterbacks, there's not a ton of questions here, but here are our four questions that we're going to hit on every time. Who has the most on the line? The biggest position battle going on? Who will rise? Who will fall this year? And then a long-term outlook, all right? So here's who's on the roster. There's simply four. You know all of them at this point. I would hope Deshaun Watson, Josh Dobbs, Dorian Thompson Robinson and Kellen Mond. All right. Who has the most on the line? <laughs> I mean, we don't really have to dig too deep here. Um, it is, it is yeah. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. It uh, is. By a significant amount. I think though yeah. it is interesting. Uh, I think Kellen Mond is fighting for some NFL life here. I don't yeah. know that anybody else will put him around stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. on an, I mean, he was on collecting checks last year on a 53, yeah. Um, Still a completely you know, perplexing decision to do that by the Browns. I can't answer why. I, yeah. Other than just having a guy who can run around and be your practice squad, like practice team leader, like like right. the scout right. team. Like I don't, yep. I don't really have a great answer for it. So we don't have to go into what's on the line. I mean, you know, we know that Deshaun getting back to who he's been is going to be. I mean, it's the focus discussion for the next five years. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and if yeah. he's as bad as he was last year at times, um, then it, that, that, ex, that conversation gets accelerated. I don't know that anybody else has a lot on the line. DTR is going to kind of be that 53rd man on the roster. It feels like, and then uh, they probably end up keeping Josh Dobbs who, um, you know, that's, we'll just swing into that. This is going to be a quick second half of the pod. It's, it's okay. Some of these positions will get a bit more deeper. Uh, but the biggest position battle to me, it's it's it comes down to like, are they keeping Dobbs, yeah. or do they trust Thompson Robinson to be the, the the second quarterback, and then maybe you're keeping Kellen Mond as the the game day third right. panic quarterback or emergency, right? Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about that battle, the Dobbs Thompson Robinson battle? I think there's a chance that Thompson Robinson could could get the job under the thinking, you know, he's the longer term backup. And, uh, you know, if, if he's, 
at playing at or around Josh Dobbs's level now, then what are you really losing, you know, by, by moving on. But, um, I wanted to throw this at you cause I, I've been kind of thinking about this and I just wonder if it's plausible if they could, uh, keep Thompson Robinson as the backup, like mm-hmm. in game and then move like Dobbs would be a practice squad player. But in the event that Watson got hurt and had to miss a game, Dobbs would be activated and would start, even though, you know, he's not technically the backup on game day. I mean, you're saying two different things, right? You're saying he, you know, in-game injury, you, which it seems more, I mean, I don't know what seems more likely, an in-game injury or like he's out multiple weeks and you get to put hair. Um right. It's not crazy to think that they could still keep both, right? You, you, no matter what way you flip that around, like yeah, it's just you know how full the rooms are at like wide receiver, defensive line, uh, cornerback. You start to struggle to make those numbers work with three quarterbacks a little bit. You do, I, but you, I mean, like to do the emergency quarterback, he has to be on your fifty-three. No, I know, I know, right? I know. So I mean, that does seem like the with that rule change, it's that stupid. Like that doesn't three, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, I know. I said, like, it's not really that beneficial at that, but I get the, the active game day roster side of it, but I don't yeah. know. No, I, I, it's just a thought that I had if, if they could kind of game the system because Dobbs was on the practice squad last year until that Tennessee Titans. You yeah, know, I wonder. That, that's probably the question is do you think if he's exposed to the wire, somebody would claim him early I, in the season. I don't I mean, think my, so. my thinking is unless they're, they're forced to by need. Right. So it would have to be that sort of injury attrition situation whereby, you know, you've lost two quarterbacks over the course of a few weeks and that doesn't usually happen right off the top. So, you know, even if they could get by with Dobbs on the practice squad till week 10, and then he got claimed by then yeah. you might feel comfortable enough with DTR as your, as your backup. I, I don't know. It's just a thought that I had because they Dobbs was on the practice squad for so much of last year that they could almost run that playbook again this year. But, you know, the other question I had, and I, I don't know this, and maybe I, maybe I should look it up, but maybe you can clarify for me. If you're on the practice squad, are you allowed to be on the sidelines? Yeah, I think you can wear – I think you're not allowed to yeah, you're you not know, dressed. The, you know, the dress, but you can right. be um, on the sideline. Like yeah, I'm, hoodie I'm, I'm pretty and, sure. And, and uh, yeah, like a track suit or whatever, you can just be. Yeah. So Dobbs could still be, like, talking to Deshaun Watson in between series as a sort of – you know, like, because they're very close. So, you know, that's just that's just one angle to this whole thing. That's a good question. Can they be out there and like, um, and not just out there, but can they be intertwined on the bench? Right. right. Can they be involved? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up a, while you. It's, uh, it's well worth question. a discussion point there. Um, okay. Well, that that kind of covers. I I don't know that Dobbs would get picked up. I think that the Browns sort of let him go last year, knowing that Tennessee would give him give him an opportunity um all right who will rise and who will fall i think if you're talking about who's going to rise up the depth chart you have to say dtr is kind of like the surprise move would be that they just didn't keep dobbs Mm -hmm. and then dtr so that we don't have to go too crazy into the weeds on that one um the long-term outlook seems pretty simple too they have two guys here that are long-term guys and by long-term in the nfl we mean like three years two years three years I think that there's a chance that both of those guys will be around. So um, the the last thing I want to hit on is um, sort of like preseason, who needs to play really well in the preseason, right? Does mm. is Dobbs, if Dobbs isn't great, right, does that mean he's he's out of a job? Like the question is, do you think 
Dobbs is the same version, a lesser, sorry, a lesser version of what was out there last year. I guess I'm saying is Dobbs position at risk. Do you think it's a true battle? Like that's the thing, like the position can't battle is, is there in, in, in word, but like, do we think there's an actual battle going on there at all? I, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting question. I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, after having this conversation, I think my mind has changed a little bit. I think Dobbs is probably pretty firmly the backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I would be a little surprised based on the closeness of those guys if they just ripped that bandaid away, especially because yeah. you can, you're going to keep three anyway. Probably and like, right because of the practice like, squad. Or yeah, the, uh, the third quarterback emergency. I, I quarterback guess that's rule. the thing yeah. we should we should discuss. Maybe teams won't do that. Maybe some teams will be like, we still don't want to do that in this scenario. I, I think some will. I agree. I think some yeah. will. I think yeah. there's a presumption that all will do it. Where it's like, hey, this took a wild thing in the playoffs to happen. We don't right. really need to do that. So maybe in the playoffs, teams will sign. Right a guy right. up to the 53 to do that. But like in the regular season, right. In week it two, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. like, I feel like, Hey, we'd rather have that six linebacker right. scenario in place. Well, and there's, and there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a dimension of the guys that you want to kind of keep on your roster long-term that can't play yeah. or, you know, that you're not ready to play developmental players, but you can't expose them to practice squad waivers. Uh, I did look it up and practice squad players are not allowed on the sidelines. They are allowed in the stadium, and they warm up before the game, but they cannot be on the sidelines. So my crazy scheme doesn't really have many legs. I did not know that. And yeah. Maybe some of you out there had a great feeling for that, but I, I feel like I see so many guys in right like track pants and hoodies that like I feel like those guys are out there, but they're not. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess they don't want them to feel like part of the team, period. Right is the I guess the yeah there. or yeah maybe they could sneak onto the field or something I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure it's, the it's peculiar that it's peculiar yeah. for sure okay well that I mean anything else on quarterback I mean can't state enough how big a year it is for Deshaun Watson it's yeah like the most yeah overhit thing but right and and I mean it is in in the sense of like what he wants his career to be uh, it isn't in so far as like there's not a level of bad he could be this year where he wouldn't be the starting quarterback for the Browns next year just because of yeah. the way the could he have a Russell Wilson season? Let me ask that. Could he have? Oh, think absolutely. about like the but Russell Wilson. Fr- yeah, the Russell Wilson frustration. Yeah, where <laughs> so many things were so public of like looking. I mean, I I still am blown away by just the public player outcries of this, like yelling at him on the sideline, like. Holy shit! Um, stuff going on there, but yeah, I think you're right. Like they're, they don't see a world in which he's they're not the starting quarterback. They are stuck financially; yeah. like they can't do it. So it, it really is that simple. And but I mean, to the to the to the extent that Deshaun Watson cares about you know his legacy as a player, uh, <laughs> emphasis on as a player, mm-hmm. and you know uh, wants to kind of get back to who he was, it absolutely is a make or break season for him because. If he doesn't come back for this, you know, he will still be in Cleveland, but the road gets a lot longer and a lot harder after this year. So that's, you know, that's by far the biggest thing with the quarterbacks. I will say, though, as, you know, uh, a, a true, you know, football-watching sicko, I'm not upset about getting to watch Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Kellen Mond in the Hall of Fame game. Like, there are more boring quarterbacks that we could have to watch. Yeah, they're going to put out their guys who can really get after it. Like, I mean... right. Dobbs was pretty exciting last preseason. Yep. And, um, 
you know, I think DTR, if you've watched his UCLA games, the guy is kind of, he's kind of crazy athlete. So yeah. you're right. As far as picking, like, is this, um, you know, is this, I'm trying to think of the right, the appropriate backup, terrible athlete, like Blaine Gabbert out there. Like, right. no. Or Case Keenum a few years ago where it's like, <laughs> yeah. stop running Case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make. And we should probably pick from one of these. Who's the who's going to be the preseason darling that, that everybody oh, is following? It's, it's DTR, DTR for right? sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like there's a chance he goes for like 100 yards against the Jets. Yeah. Like and r- then, rushing. rushing. And, then, and then people are like. Start him. The, 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 yeah, the folks out there who hate Deshaun Watson will be like, the start Browns him. should just start him. They should just, yep. you know. Just uh, that easy. Yeah, that easy. That's funny. All right, good stuff. Enough. There's not a ton to talk about with quarterbacks, so we no. made we made lemonade there out of lemons. So I think we did our best. Any other things to add from training camp or quarterback previews, Andrew? Before we close this podcast up. No, I mean I, I think that really wraps it up. I, I think you know it, I I I I guess I could just say that they. I mean something you said early on in the show. They're not going full speed yet, and so it's really hard to get those sort of electric moments with the, the sort of precision throws, but they are strapping the pads on on Friday, I believe. Mm -hmm. So things are still ramping up, but by the weekend, there should be some really juicy, you know, Twitter video content uh, for people to, you know, get that eye emoji out, get it dusted off, get it ready because it's coming. The eye emojis. Yeah. Those hit, those just hit different. They really do. That's right. The last week of July, they really hit different. Yep. (laughs) Good stuff. All right. We're wrapping today's show up. There's, there's a lot there. We'll continue doing running backs when we get with Andrew next, looking at our positional previews. We have a lot of time to get to a lot of different positions. So we'll cover all of those over the coming podcast days. And then uh, we'll continue to talk about training camp day by day. I hope you're getting something out of this. If you ever have any questions you want specifically answered, you know where to find us. Jake at the OBR find me there you can find it on twitter you know what to do so find us locate us listen to the pod rate and review it if you can always appreciate that uh the effort uh, of taking uh, time to to leave those uh, for us are always appreciated so that's it for today thanks to andrew um you know thanks to you guys for being here uh, like i said check out the obr where you have the live wire up for your consumer needs with everything training camp that's up and updated throughout the day so check that out again have a great tuesday guys Go Browns. Go Browns.